Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 426 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Ready to do a podcast, Todd. Ready to do a podcast? You're fresh, like right out of the gate? Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. And we'll try to do a a smooth running, you know, no problems podcast for you. I'm not taking that bet. You're not taking that bet? All bets are off, Joe. Um, (laughs) See, that's a callback. That's the way you do these sort of things. Or a call forward, maybe. A call forward, right, right. Right, right. Uh, would you like to know what's on this week's show, Joe? Yeah, we're on borrowed time, sir. <laughs> we are on borrowed time. And this new, this week, just a lot of news of what's canceled, what's not canceled, what may be canceled, a lot of canceled stuff. Um, also, we have uh, free digital books and sales and con news. Uh, what we read last week, which was Immortal Hulk number nine, and Web of Venom, Carnage Reborn, number one. What we're looking forward to this week, uh, Todd's Art Attack, and lots of TV talk at the end. Once again, it's a triple threat. We have Doctor Who, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. Right. Did I miss anything? I'm still hanging in there with Doctor Who. Yes, only... Two, after this, only two more episodes, and then the at the end of the year, the New Year's Eve episode. No Christmas episode? I thought they did, like, a Christmas episode. They do every year. This guy said all the ideas have been done over the years. He wanted to mix it up and do a New Year's Eve episode. I agree. I think it was a tradition. You figure it out. Right. Literally one episode that they did was the Christmas episode was because they were on a planet named Christmas. You could figure it out. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So, again, we had a big news week last week. This week, not so much of a big news week. Uh, a lot of it is just solicitation stuff and cancellation stuff and funny things from the February solicitations that I mentioned. I didn't get a chance to see them from last week. Uh, so one of the unsung books over at Image, a book called Copperhead by Jay Faber, who had done things like Dynamo 5, uh, amongst other things, it's kind of like a uh, old westerny sort of thing with a space bent uh kind of uh you know sheriff new sheriff comes to town she's human alien races don't trust her and all that sort of stuff so there were 3 issues left in the run that had been heavily delayed they were actually supposed to be out over the summer mm-hmm. uh they've been resolicited and resolicited and now uh, they've just been canceled completely. And again, I say canceled completely. Uh, Jay Farber had said that the last arc is taking a little bit longer to put together. So they've just decided to stop delaying it and just cancel it. And when they know it's done and they could hit their dates, they're going to resolicit everything. Well, that's cool. Um, right. so sometimes it has to be done. So you're reading this book? Yes. Cool. I recommend it. I, I think you would enjoy it. Um, maybe I'll have to give it a try. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, this is... I bring this one up um, because with a creator-owned book, an in- indie book, an image book, however you want to say it, it's good to get this sort of information from the creators because sometimes a book will just come and go and you'll never hear anything. Desolation Jones. Right, and that's kind of like how things were 
before a day and age of social media, and even in today's day of social media, you know, stuff comes and goes, or things gets announced at Image Expo, and then just never materializes, and we never hear why. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the announcement of something. But this is a book that had been solicited and resolicited, and it's kind of refreshing to see the creator come out and just say, yeah, it's take a little bit longer. You know, he didn't say, well, I got this big TV deal I'm working on, you know, or whatever it is. He's just like, yeah, it's not done. We'll solicit it when it's done. Only uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Tom King get to do that. I got a TV deal. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's other people that get TV deals as well. Mm-hmm. They just may not be as uh, upfront with it as all, you know? Right. They're a little more low-key. Right. But there's a lot of other creators that I think are a little bit more guilty of this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I-, I do appreciate the creators being forthcoming, of course. Now, another book maybe not as forthcoming, uh, was the upcoming that ads were in this month's DC books for the upcoming Batman and the Outsiders thing. Right. Uh, with the tagline is, they have a mission, but don't tell the Justice League, which I think was the tagline for the uh, early 90s syndicated show TNT, where Mr. That. T played a lawyer. But then at night, he was a crime fighter. Was that a real show? That was a real show, Todd. Next, you're going to tell me Muhammad Ali had a cartoon. Uh, I think Muhammad Ali... I know Chuck Norris had a cartoon, and I know Rambo had a cartoon. I just literally found out this week that uh, Muhammad Ali had a cartoon, and I was blown away. You know Gary Coleman had a cartoon, right? I remember Gary Coleman having a cartoon. Mr. T had a cartoon? Yes. We need a cartoon. Mr. T had a uh, cartoon where he traveled the United States in a van, unlike the van of the A-Team, with a team of traveling gymnasts who would solve mysteries. Right, but weren't they Olympic-level athletes? Like, they were, I don't don't know. There was, I remember that, though. Mm -hmm. Mr. T and the T-Force, right? Right. And he has his own cereal? Yes. So, Batman and the Outsiders <laughs> was supposed to be coming out in December. Uh, they even had the solicitation for issue three in the February solicitations. But now the book is just not coming out. And this is one where we just don't have an answer uh, as to why. It's just like, yeah, uh, the book's canceled for right now. And we don't know when it's coming out. No, no. nothing from the creative teams. No, nothing from DC. And again, it, this is not the first book this year where a book had been solicited by DC and then right before it's supposed to come out, they're just like, yeah, we're going to change some things like the Justice League Odyssey book. Yeah, but that wasn't canceled. That was delayed. a lot of people off. That was right. delayed and, and this, because they had a... And this isn't officially canceled. It's just like, yeah, it's still coming out. We just don't know when. Right. Who knows? Uh, yeah, it could be like Justice League Odyssey and could come out again later. Or maybe, you know, something happened at DC and there's a character in there or characters that they've decided to, uh, you know, take in a different direction so it doesn't work anymore. You know, and it's like shelve it. Just shelve it, you know? Because if somebody up higher than you has a better idea for the character that you're doing, say goodbye to it. That's true. And again, in the running joke of the show... I'm sure in the extra issue for the new different ending of Heroes in Crisis that Tom King has thought of, somebody in this book is being killed, so everything has to be rewritten. 
I would not doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, right, but again, they were saying that parts of this was supposed to spin out of metal, out of Doomsday Clock, out of Detective Comics. <laughs> I don't know. Remember a time when we just had our two Batman books, Batman and Detective, they came out twice a month, and that's all we needed? Yes. And then Legends of, what was it, Legends of... Of the Dark Knight came out with the with the yellow cover, the different neon covers. When it was the first new Batman book in sixty years, ongoing. Remember that, right? Well, what was the, the? There was a fourth one, wasn't there? A fourth Bat book, like Showcase, technically was a Batman book. I don't think it was. The the other Batman book was the Brave and the Bold. The Brave and the Bold was like a uh, sp- uh, Marvel team up. It was Batman with anybody. Well, that was during, like, the 70s and 80s, though. But that wasn't, like, an official Bat book. Right. I think it was, like, obviously Detective and then Batman. And then I, I literally thought the next book that came out was, like, Legends of the Dark Knight. Right. So, okay, so Legends of the Dark Knight. But then there was a period of time in the late 80s, early 90s, after the first Michael Keaton Batman movie... Mm-hmm. DC had a book that was just called like Showcase whatever the year was like Showcase 90 Showcase 91 or whatever and that essentially became a Batman book nope no that was constantly different stories no Batman, I, I, I remember, remember and again I say this only because I have them I remember a stretch during the lead up to Nightfall into Nightfall and post Nightfall into like Night's End and whatever else Right, I remember in Justice League Task Force, it was in two issues. Right, but for that period of time, Showcase was primarily a Bat book. See, I don't remember that. I remember it touching on it to give it a boost, but I, I want to say it's no more than than three issues, five at the most, out of, out of like three, four years that book ran. Hmm. I remember it being a bit longer, but then I do remember around the time that they, uh, both Marvel and DC, start doing not so much as an annual, but kind of like, uh, what would you call it? Uh, kind of like... A special? Like a special to fill that fifth week, where they had like Superman, Man of Tomorrow, or Batman, it was like Batman Chronicles or something. Maybe it was Batman. Batman Chronicles was an ongoing. Okay. Uh, now go ahead. I'm okay. So I'm looking at this, Todd. Right. And I'm gonna send my John Cena hat over to you for you to eat. Okay. So DC does showcase from the 50s to 78. Right. We're not talking about those. We're not talking about that. Then they do 93, 94, 95, 96. I knew it was around a four-year run. Okay. There's... 93 is all Batman. Is it all Batman? Okay. It's Batman featuring Catwoman. Batman featuring Robin. Batman featuring Two-Face. Batman featuring Huntress. There's 93. 94, Batman featuring the Joker. Batman Arkham. Batman Huntress. Batman Penguin. Batman Scarface. Batman Azrael, Man Bat, Oracle. Like I said, I knew this because it was all going through all the whatchamacallits. Uh, now going through all the nights and nights whatever. Now ninety five, it goes over to Batman or Batman. It goes over to Superman, and it's all Superman related stuff. It's like Superman and Bibbo, Superman and Mongol, Superman 
on Lois Lane, Supergirl, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, does it say Batman on the cover? Yes. Okay, because I remember a lot of those like like Catwoman stories. Not having Batman anywhere, it would just be like Showcase ninety four Catwoman, and then there'd be like a Starman story and a Steel story. You know, like obviously the Steel probably was in the Superman one, right? But I don't remember them like planting so, Batman on the cover at all. Right. So it's ninety three and ninety four were Batman, ninety four and ninety five. I'm sorry, ninety three and ninety four were Batman, ninety five, ninety six was Superman. Okay. So that take... was your fourth official, unofficial Batman title. Eh. Eh. I don't know. Maybe. But no, so, it, it, and again, it would be things like, I'm just looking at, like, the Asriel issue, right? Right. So the Asriel, it's a giant bat insignia on it. Real big on the cover, it says Batman and Asriel. Real small on the cover, it says Zero Hour and Black Condor. <laughs> you mean Black Condor? I don't know. I think Black Condor was a bigger character than Asriel at the time. Oh, for everybody was a bigger character than Asriel at every time. Uh, he's still a thing? Right. So the then the Penguin one, it says Batman Penguin. And then real small, it says Terror Smith. And you know what? I want to say that, like, I... They they were using the Batman headline, and he probably like walked through a panel and that oh, it was I'm, a pe- I'm sure I'm sure, and, and it was a Penguin story. That's probably what's in my head mm-hmm. of what they were and why they weren't like you know Batman stories, right? But they were and, you know Batman was hot, so like let's trick people into buying our book because Batman's in it, right? And I would even say he might not even be in half those issues, mm-hmm. not even like one panel, just like yeah, just slap his name on the cover, yes. And then just uh, a side note as to more uh, DC cancellations. <laughs> the uh, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Death of the Family saga. Right. Uh, you know, they did it because that was the one where it crossed over into all the other Bat books that were going on at the time. They were going to do an essential, an essential edition where it was everything all collected together in one big edition. Right. That got canceled. Was it one of the, uh, was it an omnibus or in like an essential? It just says essential edition. Okay, because I know how their track record would omnibus. Oh, yes. But it was like issues like 13 to 17 of like whatever all the bat books were at that time that were crossing over with that weird die cut cover gimmick. Right. Yeah. The Joker masks. Yes. Remember the Joker's daughter? She's coming back, I think. Uh, well, in that Three Jokers book, I'm sure she's going to be the surprise mystery fourth Joker. I think she's in Nightwing right now, but anyway. Anyway, one last bit, and there's a bit of a follow-up from last week's episode. Uh, we're talking about the February solicitations. Now, obviously, if you go and you look up the editions online that were publicized through a variety of websites, you'll notice things are missing, especially if you get your print copy at your comic book shop this week, because Image is soliciting... The first trade, uh, collector's pins and t-shirts for the new hit image series, Dead Rabbit. I'm sure they'll be out very, very soon. Now, again, I know, uh, as we discussed last week, due to the lawsuit with the bar in New York City over the trademark, because they would do, like, their cocktail menus as a comic book, uh, that book has just got scrubbed from existence, but I guess that happened too quickly before previews went to print. 
Uh, so do not be alarmed when you see all that stuff in there. The lawsuit is not settled. We'll <laughs> probably never see issues three and four of that book. Which makes me sad. But I will say this, that probably makes that print issue of previews a collector's item. Ooh, I'll probably get a million dollars. Can you CGC a previews? Now, remember in the day, I, you would get like not like the full-size previews, but you would get like those preview editions of books. And those, I know, sometimes will go for a big uh, fetch-a-penny because I remember there was one who was like the first appearance of like Preacher and Jesse Custer because it was like a Vertigo freebie preview sort of thing. Yes. But wasn't the, I could have swore there was at least one or maybe two previews where they did like it was like the first four pages or the first six pages of some image book. And then something happens where the image book hits big and then retailers were trying to peddle the issue of previews as the first appearance of whoever that character was. That happens all the time, I think. Now. I have a like, vague recollection of that. Yes. And isn't there one famous, like, isn't there a Sonic the Hedgehog, like, preview in a comic that's, like, expensive? And then I know there was, like, a Sonic the Hedgehog comic in a game that's expensive. But, yeah, like, people are always looking, for, like, retailers are, and, you know, our retailer's pretty good, but the retailers are always trying to find a way to make money on what they have, like, laying around. It's like, oh, like, there was a panel in here, like, you know, for an ad for so-and-so. So technically, it's the first appearance of Jesse Custer, you know? So it's like crazy, some of the, the the shenanigans people try to pull to, you know, up the price of certain comics. Right. So what the Sonic the Hedgehog thing that you're talking about was <laughs> uh, something that was put into – it was an advertisement to advertise the game. Um, okay. It wasn't like an actual comic comic, but it would be bound inside other comics. Uh, All right. Specifically, uh, comic books from late 91, and then it was an issue, a, a UK gaming magazine. I think there was actually Justice League Europe yes. 2 was an issue that had it. Yeah, Justice League Europe 33. 33, my mistake. Right. So... Uh, that is one, the UK, uh, video game magazine, and then the actual promos themselves, mm -hmm. uh, can fetch, if it's a CGC graded copy, of course, can oh. fetch upwards to a thousand dollars. I have a guy who knows all about that stuff. We'll uh -huh. have to ask him. Yeah, he doesn't, he, he, that guy better watch himself is all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know. I hear his, his yard sinking in, but that's mm -hmm. neither here nor there. I'm just looking to see if there's any other good ones here on the list. Uh, there was the Death Issue 3, Death the High Cost of Living, where the pages were out of order or something. There's a whole bunch of Sandman stuff, related stuff. There, there was Death the High Cost of Living, that pages were out of order. There was a there was two issues of Sandman where the pages were out of order, right. I think, too. Because I have, shocking Joe. I have both versions of those Sandman issues. I went out and bought the, the, the messed up one and the original one back when they were coming out. So I'm trying to think of other stuff that has mistakes like that. Because mm -hmm. there was a bunch around that time. And those things people were trying to get more money for. Like, ooh, misprints, you know? Or stuff that got pulped and sent back. Uh, you know, do you remember the famous Sabretooth 
or the Wolverine or the Sabretooth issue where there's a, uh, a slur for, for Jewish people in it and they had to recall that and get it pulped? No. I forget what it was, whether it was a Wolverine or a, a, a Sabretooth issue and somebody just, and it was the word, it wasn't like he was calling someone in there. It was a misprint and that's what it spelled out, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like there was like gibberish on the page, I guess. I, I don't really know. A word was in there, and they're like, get rid of that. That's got to go. And I don't know. Uh, and then there was one I, Josh had. I'd have to ask Josh. It was at, like, one of the New York shows. Do you remember the the comic that uh, that the, it was the promo comic, the Marvel promo comic that went with, like, the, the army or whatever it was that made weapons, and they pulled it? It was, like, a weapons company. Yes, no, maybe. I do. Where it didn't, it was supposed to be like a convention exclusive thing. Yes, and on the first day, like people were up in arms and they pulled it. Well, Josh was at that con and grabbed like two at the thing and then like got home and like looked on eBay and was like, oh, they pulled those at like, if the con opened at 10 o'clock, they pulled it at like 1045 and he had two copies and they were going for like, like big buku bucks on eBay. Mm hmm. So. Right, so um, the the two, of course, I was just in the midst of it. Uh, there was an one of the issues of Super Pro <gasps> uh, was recalled because uh, the Hopi Indian tribe found the portrayal of the villains in the um, the issue that had a sacred Kachina figure uh, was offensive to them, and Marvel okay. recalled over seventy thousand copies. <laughs> Of uh, Super Pro and apologize to the Hopi tribe, but again, keep in mind they recalled seventy thousand copies of that. And this is, says the comic is very easy to get a hold of and is also fairly cheap to purchase. So again, imagine how many copies of Super Pro Marvel was printing at this time. A few. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the um, the Wolverine one that you mentioned is Wolverine one thirty one, where it misprinted. Uh, the ceremony was interrupted by one of our closest foes, the killer known as Sabretooth. But killer was mispr- was uh, typoed as something else. Offensive. Okay, I didn't. Uh, I was on the right path, but yes. you got it. You were right. You were in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. You gave me enough information to do my detective comicking. Mm, detective comics, right. Mr. Detective Comics. And, again, this, uh, coincidentally, Super Pro, several years earlier, uh, had 70,000 copies of whatever its print run recalled. Wolverine only ended up with 1,000 of the copies recalled. So there's still tons of them out there. Well, maybe they only had 1,000 misprints. Hmm. I doubt that. So anyway, oh, this is, I like the, I like this sort of thing. I like digging into this, but we gotta stop messing around. We got business to take care of, Todd. We do have business. Enough of you distracting me with actual things. I'm not a distractor. When have I ever distracted you on the show besides this second right now? Right. So, uh, conventions this weekend. After taking a week off last week, uh, we have a bunch of conventions happening this weekend. Uh, there's the Winter Con in New York, uh, the Winter Comics and Sci-Fi Con. Uh, not a lot of big heavy hitter- hitters there, but I did see Bray Wyatt and Asuka's name from the World Wrestling Entertainment on the guest list. 
Mm, nice. The Tokyo Comic Con, which is a nice trip if you can get it, uh, has Peter Weller of the RoboCop films, uh, Thomas Hiddleston, and Jeremy Miller. Now, the reason I mentioned those two folks from the Avengers franchises, there was about five other people from the Avengers franchise, from Anthony Mackie to Sebastian Stan, right on down the list, and they've all canceled. It's because they got to do that new Marvel TV show. Mm, they must be doing... Right, oh, there you go. I was going to say they're doing pickups for Infinity War uh, 2 or whatever it is. Electric Boogaloo. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if you're in the Madison, Wisconsin area, Wizard is having a convention, and I mention this here because friend of the show... Jeremy Dennis, Yakko Yaks on Twitter, the empresario, if you will, of the uh, Transformers radio stuff that Jason Kirk, part of the soon-to-be-named network, uh, is always dipping his toe into producing stuff, appearing on the shows. He's not hosting one, but hosting two panels at the Wizard World Convention this weekend. Uh, one is about the recently wrapped-up IDW Transformers comic, and another one is podcasting he's doing a podcasting panel and jeremy's got quite the empire over there at uh transformers radio and again i apologize what is it uh i should know what this is because i send the links out all the time i should have been a little bit more prepared uh radio free cybertron there you go you can stop yelling at your uh podcasting device uh but over at radio free cybertron uh jeremy's got a ton of shows under that umbrella and if he's given out information on how to make your podcasting better, uh, I recommend it because I'm sure he's got a lot of good ideas. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm torn, Todd. There's two other conventions this week, and we haven't done this in a while, of which convention you would rather go to. So there's a Wales Comic Con, okay? And the ocean? No, uh, like, you know, the country of Wales. Oh, not like the animal. Right. Now, they claim it's a Comic-Con. I didn't recognize any of the creators that were going to be there. But such names as Paul Megan. I don't know if you've heard of this. Paul McGann. Paul McGann. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, David Bradley. Is that someone that I should know from the Doctor Who-verse? He was the guy who played the most recent version of the first Doctor. And he was also Walter Frey, I believe, on Game of Thrones. Right. From the world of sports and entertainment... Uh, Mick Foley, Kevin Nash are going to be there, uh, Seamus, and Cesaro are going to be there. Hmm. But to me, at this convention, Todd, the guest of honor is Allison Hannigan. Ooh. Big Allison Hannigan fan. She she debunks magic, doesn't she, or something Well, now? she's the host of the show. I, I don't think she's doing much debunking. Mm-hmm. However, Todd, there's a much bigger convention going on right here in these United States. The Louisville Supercon in Louisville, Kentucky. And we had to break things up. World of comics, world of sports and entertainment, and world of, I guess, real entertainment. (laughs) Neil Adams, Mark Bagley, Ed McGinnis, Keith is going to be there. Salty Salty Keith. Keith. Salty Keith. Uh, from the world of sports and entertainment, Booker T is going to be there. Uh, Farouk is going to be there. Jerry the King Lawler is going to be there. Uh, Mayor of Knox County, uh, Kane is going to be there. Mark Henry is going to be there. And the man who you met this year at Philly, your new best friend, uh, Jim Cornette is going to be there. 
Jim Clarinet's going to be there. Maybe I'll get an extra burger towel. Well, he did mention on the podcast this week that there's only about 10 burger towels left. So get <gasps> them while they're hot. Oh, thank God. Not hot with, like, burger grease or, I don't know, whatever Jim does in that secret mm-hmm. room you're not allowed to go in. But Okay. Media guest, though, Todd. If I wiped out the wrestling folks, if I wipe out the comic book folks, okay, listen to this lineup, and you know it's hot, what I'm starting with, Martin Cove, Ralph Macchio, and Sensei Lawrence William Zabka himself. <laughs> Got to get that Sensei Lawrence in, That's what you? we're starting with, Todd. Right. William Shatner's going to be there. The Shat. Henry Winkler's going to be there. The Fonz. Lloyd Kaufman's going to be there. The nude Stan Lee, in my opinion. Okay. John Glover. John Glover? John Glover, who played Lionel Luther in Smallville. He played the Trump analog in Gremlins 2. He also played uh, a great role in Scrooge. Right, right. Scrooge, an unsung Christmas classic. Which I hope is the next movie on the thing. But anyway. 30 years ago this weekend, actually. (gasps) It came out. How do you like that? How do you like them apples? Uh, Richard Dreyfuss is going to be there. Oh. Alice Cooper is going to be there. Personal friend of mine. And Todd, for our After Dark listeners, I had to save the best for last. Linda Blair is going to be there. Ho, 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 ho. Re, 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 repossessed. So if any of our listeners are going to the Louisville Supercon, for us, let Miss Blair know what big fans we are of her work, specifically in the film of Repossessed. Right. Don't hassle her. Don't give her a hard time. Don't show her what Todd and I look like. <laughs> oh, God, don't scare her off. Right. She's seen some horrific things in her day. Let's let this poor woman rest and, you know, enjoy the rest of her life without seeing two monsters, two more monsters. But let I'm her sure. know how loved she is over here at Longbox Heroes. And I'm sure in the rest of the soon-to-be-named network as well. I would also like to say one thing Uh that's about something else that we talked about during con stuff here is Salty Keith. Didn't we have a request for the Vex story? We did have a request for the Vex story. And the show's not going long enough the way it is. Let's tell the (laughs) Vex story. Okay. I just just vaguely remember seeing that. I was going to do the show plugs, but go ahead. Okay. So years ago, I don't even know how long ago. 1998, 99? Okay, because that was probably when Vex was coming out, right? Maybe. Because there's a small window for that. Um, well, me and Joe, you know, be, we're, we're friends. And I had shown you, the, given you the Justice League International comics. And, um, you know, you, you came around to loving them just as much as I did. Maybe, maybe not as much. But uh, so we were going to a con together and Keith was at this con. And we were like, oh, okay. So Joe wanted to get, I believe it was an issue of Justice League signed by him. Um, so we go up, we get our Mark, fo- did we get our Mark photo first or after? Uh, oh, I don't know. I want to say, it was, say 19, it was 1999, by the way. Okay. This is the way I remember the story. Um, but I might be wrong if, if you, so we go up to him and you're going to bring, give the issue. I don't even remember what it was. And you were like, it was hey, issues no. one through six of justice league. Okay. So it was issues. Yes. You were that guy. Um, but we go and we're like, you know, Joe's like, Oh, like Todd showed me these, the issues of justice league. I fell in love. I love, I love the whole run. It's amazing. So, blah, 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 blah. Just, we gush. 
And all of a sudden, like, yeah, like Keith's like, that's great. If all you guys who love Justice League bought my new book, Vex, and he just kind of like went off and very salty. Like we said, he was just very angry, pulled no punches. He was like, yeah, you, and it gets canceled, blah, blah, blah. And he was like all angry about it. And then me and Joe were just like, oh, yeah, could we? get a picture and we ended up getting our that famous picture of young handsome you know svelte todd and joe yeah like if that ever happened uh pictures with keith and we still don't know who's in the background there's a guy sitting next to him that i still want to find out who it is someday i should take that picture to keith if he's ever at a show again and show him we should he was keith's handler i'm sure he's in a ditch somewhere (laughs) But yeah, so that's pretty much the Vex story, right, Joe? Right. I think around that same time, Todd, uh, Todd, uh, Keith was also doing a uh, graphic novel adaptation of the Bible for Penthouse Comics. Ooh, Penthouse Comics. Yeah. Got a story about that sometime. But really <laughs> quick, uh, Keith was very salty that time because Vex hadn't sold. But the next time I met him. When he was a very happy man, but for some reason that was around the time Marvel was doing Annihilation and he was doing a lot of those books and he seemed to be on top of the world. He was slightly happier then when I met him. Wasn't as salty. But again, he's he's an older gentleman. He has every right to be salty. He was. And then I met him this year and got a sketch off him. He was still salty, but very, very nice. I would have gotten the Mark picture with him again. Oh, if you were there, like, we tried to get you to go, because we were going to reenact that picture. Right. And you couldn't go. You were too busy yelling into a mic about men throwing each other on the ground. And I couldn't I couldn't grow my hair out long enough to replicate my the length of my hair in that photo, or get that Texas Chainsaw Massacre shirt that I'm wearing in that photo. I believe I'm wearing a, I'm either wearing a mad, uh, a Joker mad love short, or, or a death. The high cost of living T-shirt. Hmm. I don't have the the photo at my fingertips. I have it somewhere on my computer. As we're talking, it'll happen. Right. So yeah, Keith was uh, kind of at a low point in 1999, and he didn't want to be reminded about his glory days from 13 years prior by us two schlubs. Right, and we are schlubs. Yes, we were schlubs then, and we're schlubs today. <laughs> Who wins this battle? Keith, I think, has won this one. Pretty much. Yeah. Comic-Cons were different back then, man. Oh, yes, they were. Mm-hmm. That was New York Comic-Con, right? I believe so, but it was a different New York Comic-Con. Oh, okay. That yep. was the one that was either in the Penn, uh, the Penn Plaza Hotel, or that was in the basement of a church. Penn Plaza Hotel. Okay. I would have remembered they- being in the basement of the church. Yeah, because that was when New York was moving all around, and then it found Penn Plaza, and then it couldn't call itself the New York Comic Con anymore, so it became the Big Apple Con, and then New York Comic Con is today what it is, if that makes any sense. It does. It changed a bunch of cons, tried to get that New York Comic Con title. That illustrious title. Ugh. It's called, well, no, if you said belt, I would have had to correct you, but it is called the title. The, The strap? Yeah. So... Uh, back to the plug, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, anytime any of the shows in the network of our friends or like-minded individuals, etc., uh, have their shows go up, or they remind me when they're on other shows, when Jason appears on the 
Radio Free Cybertron shows or when David appears on the Clark's Minute that is coming up any day now. And, uh, hey, I might have an extra podcast appearance coming out this week as well. Really? Mm-hmm. Tune into At Odds with Wrestling this week for more information about that. Oh, cool. Hey, if you like wrestling from 2003 and people doing moonsaults at the top of cages, then this podcast appearance will be for you. Ooh. Uh, but, of course, this show, Longbox Heroes, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, where we discuss the 1984, what should be cult classic film, Johnny Dangerously. Uh, Podvocacy had their new pre-show drop uh, today, uh, late last night today. Uh, Wrestling on the Edge of Forever will be coming out uh, when this is probably in your ear holes. Uh, Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors 3, and since the other shows in the network don't do anything, I want to give a special shout-out. Not part of the network, he don't need us, but uh, my friend Wacky Bob is doing a podcast called Hoops Chat. As he introduces it, the number one English-speaking basketball podcast. Mm-hmm. So if you're a fan of the English language and basketball, this is the podcast for you. Sounds like a delight. Yes. Uh, so digital sales and freebies, as I mentioned last week, uh, you'd be having a bunch of Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales, and a lot of those are still trickling over. Uh, IDW, Boom, uh, Image are all having sales on graphic novels. Uh, I noticed a lot of these these particular sales and a lot of the sales that were happening over the weekend were just, as they call them, graphic novels, trades. Very few single issues in a lot of those uh, sales that were going on at the time. Uh, whereas on the flip side, the big DC sale is the Sandman Universe sale. Of course, Sandman's included in there, uh, but you got your House of Secrets, you got your House of Mystery... You got your uh, Lucifer, you got your Books of Magic, you got all that sort of jazz, the dreaming. Uh, but hey, you cannot go wrong with uh, Sandman. No, you can't. Nope. And uh, I don't know if it's still existing, but I think Amazon had a glitch uh, over the Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend where the first trade of Sandman was for free. That's a good deal. Yeah, that's a good deal at... Five times the price. Or even full price at thirteen ninety nine. Hmm. Uh but the links to all of those, of course, will be in the show notes, uh, as will the aforementioned conventions and soon to be named network.com. So Todd, let's get into what we read from last week. Yes, which I will start with uh Web of Venom. Carnage Reborn, number one, by writer Donny Cates and artist Danello S. Bayruth. Do you think that's close? Uh, I would say you nailed it. All right. Um, basically, this is fitting into the ongoing uh, Venom series. Donny Cates is doing these one-shots like the Venom uh, Web of Venom Venom issue, which takes, you know, explains some stuff that's going on. This is the same way. It seems to set up everything that's going to be in the next storyline. Cause I think in the last issue of Venom, they established that they had, uh, uh, is it Cletus Cassidy? Is that his name? Cause I get confused. I'm not a big Carn- Carnage fan. You're correct. Um, his body. And, uh, there's this cult 
of Carnage that wants to bring him back. And this is basically telling the story of who ended up stealing the bit of symbiote uh, uh, alien in the last issue of Venom and giving you the origin of Cletus Cassidy and how he got the symbiote and all the different ways that it seems that uh, Carnage has died and brought back. Um, because I've never been a, a big Venom fan, I'm enjoying the book now, I was looking forward to this. But as someone who knows nothing about Carnage, I know even less about Carnage than I did Venom. It was very educational, but it was very like, like when you read something, it was still good, but when you, when, like when you look at a run of Flash or Superman or any other comic over the years and you realize all the, th you realize all the things that they do to a character, it becomes very soap opery. When, and, right, when you see a character who was created in 1992 mm -hmm. and you have a, essentially, what is it, uh, 32 pages of story issue Dedicated. where you try to cram everything that this character has done. Uh, over the last, you know, 20, almost, you know, 25 years or whatever it is, and you see it just all, like, page after page after page, you're like, boy, it's a lot of bad ideas. Yeah, it's like, here's Carnage when we ripped him in half and threw him into space. Here's Carnage, you know, when... And here's how he got better from that. Right, and then it's like, oh, here's Carnage, you know, when he got infected with something, and here's how he got better, and here's how this, and here's how that, and I'm kind of like... Wow, that's a lot of information, and when it's all presented at once, it's kind of ludicrous. Um, but in the end, it's information I think I'm going to need. Not all of it, but for the upcoming, upcoming storyline. So it was a push. I didn't love this book. I didn't hate it. I just felt it was something that... Is not going to be throwaway, but it's not going to be like like I have to do a dissertation on this book to figure out everything that's going on. If any of that makes any sense, right? So Todd and I have spoken before about different uh, heroes rogues gallery. Uh oh, and I don't want to open that kettle of fish right now. It's no mm -hmm. time for fish math here. Oh boy! But Carnage is essentially Venom if he was more extreme, right? And once you get out of that basic premise, it's a very thin character. He's a dangerous right. character in the kayfabe universe of the comic book, but it's like, hey, you like Venom? What if he was more stabby? That's what Carnage is, right? What if we put the Joker in a symbiote outfit? Right, and that's right. There you go. Perfect. And then Batman has done the same thing more or less multiple times with the Joker to much greater effect. But there's a lot of people who were fans of comics in the early 90s who still have a very big affinity for Carnage. And I, I feel as though, uh, you know, the, Donny Cates did that issue over the summer of Venom where he kind of did the same thing he did here with Carnage, but for Venom, but kind of gave it a little bit more gravitas because Carnage is and has always been one guy with this one symbiote. Whereas Venom has been a couple different people, at least three that I can think of. You know, Eddie Brock, uh, Flash Thompson, and I think Matt Gargan, Scorpion, was in there for, like, long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Donny Cates did that issue where it was like, here's all these bits from Venom's history, but here's me explaining how it all makes sense. Whereas this was, here's all these crazy things from Carnage's history, but he got better. Right. 
And the long and the, and this this while called Web of Venom Carnage Born really should have been just the next logical issue of the Venom series because it fits right in and as Todd mentioned it leads right into the next uh, story arc and I don't think this is spoiling anything but we saw in the Venom book Venom with the help of the aforementioned guy who had the Venom symbiote in Vietnam they took on that big giant Venom dragon thing mm-hmm. and Ultimate Reed Richards is trying to figure out what all that is with all the helix and the things that are imprinted on the Venom symbiotes and all that sort of jazz. But what we learn from this issue and the previous issue of Venom is, is any time that the symbiote touches you, even if you're separated from the symbiote, there's still a little piece of that in you. Carnage wants that full power of that dragon Venom. So now he is going through the Marvel, he is going to go through the Marvel universe of anyone and everyone who has touched and is touching a symbiote to get that piece out of them so he has ultimate Venom power. Right. If that appeals to you, then check this book out. If you've been enjoying the Venom book thus far, I think that this will appeal to you of what the groundwork that Donnie Cates has laid out for this character. I agree. I, I'm i not... Int- like I'm, I'm interested in seeing who it goes, but I honestly don't... I didn't realize how many people have had a symbiote attached to them. Right, and it's, when I looked at that list, I I mentioned three, four if you want to include Cletus Cassidy, uh, five if you want to include Peter Parker, mm-hmm. the rest of them I was buffaloed. I'm like, all right, comic, you're telling me they had the Venom, I, I guess, I don't know. Well, now, is it Venom, or is it just anybody who's touched a symbiote? I think it has to be the specific symbiote that Venom is from. See, I think it's anybody who had, because wasn't there a whole storyline where there was like the symbiotes got away and they like enveloped a bunch of people? Well, there was like a plan to the symbiotes thing. There was multiple Avengers storylines where dozens and dozens of people were infected with the Venom symbiote. But Mm -hmm. we had learned in Guardians of the Galaxy that that was a planet of different symbiotes that came to Earth, not the Venom symbiote. And then we learned in the Donnie Cates thing that all of these came from the one Grendel, Dragon, etc., Big Daddy Venom, which is what our Venom, Eddie Brock, is the descendant of, not so much all those other ones. Okay. You're you're more of the Venom expert. You're the symbiote guy on this show. I guess. But I'll take it. Okay. Uh, so the other book that I think we both read uh, was Immortal Hulk number nine, written by Al Ewing, with art by Joe Bennett, uh, the Hulk stuff, and Martin Simmons, the Absorbing Man stuff. So we pick up from the last issue where the Hulk escapes from that facility where bits and pieces of him are kept in a jar. Uh, he is drawn back to the site of the original bomb testing where he became the Hulk. Uh, obviously, because something had possessed Walter Langstrom, Langowski? Langowski, I think. The Sasquatch that looked like the Hulk's father, which has been a more ongoing thing with the Hulk lately, you know, and I say lately over the last, like, 15, 20 years, where he's constantly haunted by his abusive father. Mm-hmm. So, he goes back to that where he could be more in control. And while that's going on, the Absorbing Man is 
recruited by that same group that had the Hulk underground, and they're going to test a new strain of gamma radiation on Absorbing Man that is going to allow him to absorb gamma radiation. In addition to, like, anything else that he touches, you know, he becomes, like, you know, the consistency of, now he can also absorb and keep the gamma radiation uh, from the Hulk, and they set up for a big fight, and the fight doesn't end in quite the way I expected. Mm -hmm. Uh, This continues to be a great book. Uh, You know, as we mentioned last week, that cover is striking. I defy you to see that cover. Uh, on the newsstand, comic shop, or wherever it is that you get your comic books, and not just be pulled in by just, like, the stark contrast of the red and greens of that cover. And here it is around Christmas time as well. I think they knew what they were doing with this. I probably did. Uh, but we talk all the time about this book was initially sold as a horror book, and we talked how it was more of a, you know, you got your psychological drama, you got your crime stuff, you got all that sort of stuff. Uh, this one is kind of more straightforward superhero until that last page, Todd. Yep, I agree. Um, and I think like they're establishing that, uh, the thing that was in, uh, Sasquatch that's in Hulk now is taking the, Hulk thinks it's taking the form of his father, but it's something else. And we're starting to be led to believe that it is something else. And like you said, that last page kind of, is indicative of that, but I'm, I'm with you. This was more, uh, superhero-y, uh, of it. And it was cool to see, uh, uh, Creed as, uh, absorbing man and like the things that he's going through and discussing like his, his uh, relationship with Titan, Titania, Titania, I don't know how to say her name. I get confused on that. But I like, you know, they're establishing that his girlfriend's off doing her thing and he's he's a criminal and he didn't want, his pride was too big. And I do think when all this is over, we're going to see the seven deadly sins played out now. Like his is pride. Um, I, you know, Hulk's is obviously the wrath. I'm wondering if we're going to get a what's in the box kind of a thing. We're going to do the seven with the Hulk. I'd like to see that. I like that idea. I, I never kind of put that together. Um, I'm thinking like uh, Sasquatch's was Envy because he wanted to be the like Banner and the Hulk because he was so famous. So he was doing all the ga- gamma experiments. And now we have pride in him. And like I said, obviously Hulk is going to be wrath at, at any point. But I, I don't know. I just have this weird prediction. That's where this book is going. And again, I, 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 lo- I love that idea. And... <laughs> I don't follow a lot of people talking about books online or nothing like that. And I, I can mm-hmm. almost imagine that someone else has thought of that, but I'm giving you credit for it as the first person to think of it. Oh, cool. Because honestly, I haven't seen it anywhere else. You know what I mean? Right. Now, I do want to also point out here uh, to read this to you, Todd, if you remember from the big battle. Right. As, uh, what do we call it? He, uh, cre- uh, uh, Absorbing Man Attacks. Hulk dodges out of the way of the wrecking ball. Uh, there's some quotes from Rocky Four in there. Hulk mm-hmm. punches him and then notices uh, that every time that he hits him, that it's hurting him. And then we get some interior monologue from the Hulk of, I'm in trouble, can't even block his dumb ball and chain. It's draining me. Like, I drain, drained Linkowski. That can't happen. Not to me. Look at this jerk. I know how he sees this. He's the heel turn face. The guy who turned it around. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's wrestling vernacular in my comic books. I love it. I know. As soon as I read that, I was like, son of a. 
was like, Joe's loving this. And I'm like, I just want to see, like, I, you know, I'm being drained, like the crack in the, you know, the universe that the TARDIS uses for fuel. No, no, like, that's did. what I want to see. Go read your Dan Slot comics for that. <laughs> oh, I probably just Googled this because we said his name. Right. Uh, so, yeah, Immortal Hulk was good. I uh, liked it very much. So let's get into what we're looking forward to this week. Mm-hmm. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. However, does you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. No mistakes this time. The two things that Todd and I are doing here is one, of course, as we always do attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. The other, the running dollar tally of how much we've spent on comic books in the calendar year 2018 and only the calendar year 2018. We ain't doing that again next year. Or ever again. Or ever again. Uh, Todd is still behind uh, with four. Uh, with, with I have a margin of four over Todd on correct guesses. Mm-hmm. So uh, I defer to you as starting the show for the first guess. Is the book you're looking forward to most Heroes in Crisis is, is, is number three? It is Heroes in Crisis is number three. Uh, and I think the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is the DC Nuclear Winter Special Numero Uno. It's pronounced nuclear. Um, it is. That's the book I'm looking forward to most. Yeah. It's only taken me uh, seven years, but I've learned that any holiday special is going to be uh, <laughs> tops on your list. Right. It takes an interesting reason to knock that loose. Mm-hmm. Right. Very rarely is that not what it is. Right. Like if it's like the if it's like, hey, this week we're having DC or a DC holiday special, and the giant brand new Jonah Hex spectacular issue, eh, maybe Jonah. You know. <sighs> the. <laughs> It's going to be a uh, Ben Grimm's uh, um, Swamp Thing crossover for some reason. Oh, so it's Thing on Thing crime. Yes. <laughs> uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the previous stuff that Todd and I have done, comic book-wise, related to the podcast, old episodes of this show, old episodes of After Dark, a smattering of At Odds with Wrestling as well. Of course, we have our little store link there as well, where you could purchase T-shirts, stickers, or pins with our fancy logo on them and of course as always it is the holiday shopping season be sure to uh click the amazon link for all of your holiday purchasing the one at the top of our page so we get a little bit of a kickback and uh you know we mentioned a couple times that it was the uh, black friday cyber monday sales uh this past weekend and i do want to thank our listeners who went above and beyond the call of duty this past week with some of their purchases uh we had somebody purchase two different lego elves uh, sets. Uh, one is Az- Azari and the Fire Lions. Another one is Naughty and the Water Turtle. I don't know. I'm kind of out of Legos these days, so I don't know what's up. What's up? Uh, somebody purchased uh, trades number four, five, and six of Godzilla Rulers of the Earth, the current comic book there. Uh, someone purchased the Death of Superman animated Blu-ray as well as John Wick Chapter 2 on Blu-ray. Uh, two people, uh, purchased, I'm assuming pre-ordered, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate for the Nintendo Switch out, uh, next Friday. And someone purchased not one, not two, but three, uh, LG Stylo 4 phones. Hmm. And, uh, while I've already thanked that person privately, again, thank you very much <laughs> for making our, uh, 
two months from now, Amazon check a little bit brighter, and also your kids' Christmas a little bit merrier as well. Hopefully, yes. uh, sad they don't have them for the Disney trip, but alas, they'll be able to transfer the pictures they take now onto these new fancy phones, I'm sure. Sounds like they can. I don't know how phones work, Todd. I don't even know if phones work anymore. So, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. Um, Tristan Crocker, Dirt Eep, uh, contributed a Bob Noberini Poison Ivy sketch from a Batman day long past that he came across cleaning. And I just have to say, I love this sketch. It's it's a sketch that when I didn't click on the picture, all I got is the little bit on Twitter. I was like, that sketch doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then I clicked on it, and it's like this beautiful poison ivy that's like minimalist, but in like a lot. I don't know how to explain it. It's just it. there's a lot done with very little in here, and those are some of my favorite sketches when an artist can pull that off. Uh, right. So, as you had mentioned, minimalist. This person did this with two crayons, a red crayon and a green crayon, and they made a work of art. That exactly. is the sign of a true professional that they can make something look so good with limited materials. And he, uh, and Tristan Croc- Crocker, obviously, Dirt Eep Part 2, uh, from the same Batman day, had a Doug Ch- Chappell Red Robin sketch, uh, that's done in crayon. And I like that one too. That's a, that's a cute little, uh, you know, quick, uh, version of it. And I, I think they did a great job. It's like a Mad Magazine version of, uh, Red Robin. There you go. A Sergio Argione, Argionis. Is that how you pronounce his name? I bet you nailed it. All right. I bet you I did. Right. And then I contributed my last piece of art that was around New York Comic Con. It wasn't from New York Comic Con. This was a, a mail order commission that I say in the tweet came literally while I was away at New York and my brother was checking the mail for me and left it on my kitchen table. So when I walked in, I had bought all that really expensive art, and then I came home. I was like, "Oh, I can't, I can't have one more piece of art. I'm so broke." And then I'm like, "Yes, I can. There's one on the table," and it was a Keith Pollard uh, uh, mutated thing. He was the one who uh, was drawing Fantastic Four at the time when they made Thing the pineapple thing. And when he was offering up mail order commission, I was like, ah, oh, there's only one character in the world that I want to get from him. And that was the version of Ben Grimm that I wanted. And I think he did a, a pretty fantastic job on that. I agree. Uh, that looks awesome. Any, as you say, pineapple thing is always a beautiful thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to behold. Mm-hmm. So... I think that covers that end of the show, eh? I think so, too. All right, so we're going to get into some TV talk here. If you did not watch uh, last week's episode of The Flash or the most recent episodes of Doctor Who or Legends of Tomorrow, we bid you adieu, and we'll see you all here next week, episode 426 in the books. And uh, I'll take a second here to blow my nose before we get into discussing some TV. Oh, he's going to use the mute button, everybody. I bet he used it because I didn't hear it. My mute button is temperamental. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Oh, I was hoping to hear the like the the horn as you were blowing your nose. Right. So uh, let's start with the flash, if we could. Sure. So, uh, what do we got going on in the flash? This felt like a. 
Hmm, what's the best way I could say this? Filler? A filler episode. There you go. Uh, so, uh, we get the continuation of trying to find Cicada. Everyone kind of breaks up into wacky mismatched teams. Ralph goes with Cecile. Uh, Nora goes with Iris and Sherlock Wells. While our main crew, the original three from way back in the day, are left back at Star Labs. So they're off doing their thing. They're essentially looking for information about people who might have been treated by FEMA when the satellite fell to see if they have any parts or pieces or whatever it is. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff with Cicada that, between me and you, when they did the shaky Cicada cam as he was selling his injuries, right? I wasn't too keen on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say that the main story in this week's episode was the reuniting of Caitlin and her father, who we would later learn is actually the evil icicle. Right. A.K.A. the worst actor on the planet. Now, I want to put this out uh, on Front Street. While he... I don't want to say that he's a bad actor. He's definitely got a different acting style. Mm-hmm. Than the rest of the folks on this show and the rest of the folks on the other shows that we watched this week. Right. Bad. I don't think he was bad. Again. Um, but definitely his acting did stick out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a trying to be thumb. nice here. I, I get you. I'm being honest. I was watching. I was like, there was a lot of fun in this episode. But man, I was just like, the guy, the guy who's playing the icicle is terrible. I got I to gotta be me, Joe. Right. So because of that, Todd says he was terrible. I says he was uh, different. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't care about the story arc. Uh, I like Caitlyn. She's fine. We get the revelation that they figured out how uh, the thinker was able to cut her off from Killer Frost. And she was able to bring that back due to a mental block. So now she's going to be able to ki- be Killer Frost. Or at least she'll be able to communicate with Killer Frost. If that's what we get out of this episode, then so be it. Other than that, not much else. Right. Other than Nora and uh, Iris are starting to bond a little bit. We got right? that last episode. I, I, I can see them maybe setting up something for like the mid-season break to break this bond that they now have. Mm. But other than that, you know, thing, things can't get too cozy for Team Flash before they get too worse for that mid-season break. Right. But Flash was just okay this week. I agree. So let's move on to Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, we get... So... <laughs> we get our stories of Mona's first day on the job at the Time Bureau... Uh, it's feeding all of the folks uh, that they have captured up, all the monster-type folks, including uh, the recently surrendered uh, Nora DeHark. Uh, but the main story is um, Biff Tannen is going over the budget for the Legends. And while he did approve them to get a whole bunch of extra money, he doesn't like the way the extra money is being spent. So he decides he wants to go on a mission with them to find out how and why they're spending the money. Mm-hmm. So they decide to try to pick an easy mission, which is going to the Roaring Twenties, to find a Minotaur 
or a mantar or a minotar. Nobody pronounces it the same from scene to scene. Right, because British people pronounce minotar different. Right, and then we get the whole thing of them trying to hide uh, the shapeshifter girl who uh, looks like... Amaya. Amaya from Nate, and that lasts about a minute. And they have some uncomfortable time together. Uh, good episode. Again, felt like a little bit of a filler episode. Uh, I do have to bring up, of course, to you, as other people actually have brought up to me in regards to this episode. When Biff Tannen is going over the line items of what the legends spend their money on, mm-hmm. one of the things he mentions is the costumes that they wear to go on their missions. Oh, the wigs. Now, one, I wish he specifically cited the wigs and tiny hats. Right. <laughs> but two, it was like a left. $11 million for costumes, $3 for wigs. <laughs> but hasn't it been previously established in this series over the last four seasons that Gideon can just make out of thin air whatever outfits that they need? Right, but maybe that's what, maybe it's they can, but they cost a lot of money to do that. Because she says there's, she says something like, it's like sentient costume making or something. So I'm thinking that has something to do with it. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. But my favorite bit, my favorite bit in the whole thing is when uh, Nate figures out how they have to beat the Minotaur. And he's like, he's like, yeah, well, you have to soothe it with, with music. And he's like, well, why are you holding a lute? And, and Mick's like, lute? Is there a lute somewhere? And he's like, well, it's more of a, a liar. And Mick's like, everybody's a liar. And I'm like... Oh my god, this is a Mel Brooks movie at this point. There was another scene where uh, Sarah just kind of acknowledges the premise of the show Mm -hmm. where they bring Biff Tannen onto the ship and she's explaining like what her duties are and what they do and it's almost as though she's like looking directly into the camera and explaining the premise of the show. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And, again, this was a light and fun episode of Legends of Tomorrow. I ask for no more. I ask for no less. Uh, there was little storyline progression in what I think is like the has been the main through line of the episodes, which is all the John Constantine stuff. Right. Except for now, um, uh, what's uh, the head of the Time Bureau's name? Uh, Biff Tannen. No, he's the the lady. Uh, uh, Ava. Ava. Ava was bonding with uh with Dark because like she was coming to realize that she's maybe not the evil person because they're stuck in the room, and uh, we're starting to see like uh d- Dark turning and stuff like that. And what's the the girl's name uh, who feeds them? Mona. Uh, who? What? Mona. Mona, who I think is a red herring. I think she's she's the antagonist this season. You still think so? I do. I don't think it's Biff. I think Biff is going to turn out because he's he's Nate's father. He's going to be the okay person. Um, but I think she Mona has something to do with because she knows like oh I read her excuses. I read a lot of books, but I know all these magical creatures. Well, we do, got the thing at the end of the Thanksgiving episode where Biff Tannen calls to like some mysterious person to say like we've got more of those monsters that you wanted. Right, I it's all a red herring, I think. I think mm. Mona's the I think Mona's the baddie. 
I don't know. She seems like an innocent. I I I don't buy it. I'll I, I'll admit when I'm wrong, but I'm not buying it. All right, and and Gary's gonna get hurt. Poor Gary's gonna get heartbroken. Oh, John will be there waiting for him. I'm not I'm not concerned about Gary. Oh, he'll be you know he'll put a wig on and impersonate somebody, and Gary will be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the last show that we're gonna be talking about, and what I thought was the best of the three shows that we watched this week. Oh, was, you're joking! I, listen, was the was the Doctor Who episode, The Witch Finders. Mm-hmm. So they end up in the 17th century, uh, in in an episode that they just ripped off from Legends of Tomorrow, like a month ago. <laughs> right. Again, I say Legends of Tomorrow, the originator, but I can't blame Doctor Who. Copy an A, get an A. You know, you got to <laughs> follow in the footsteps of the best. Wow. <laughs> but anyway. Wow. Any Doctor Who. Any any Doctor Who. So they come upon this, and of course there's witches being, you know, drowned and everything. The typical nonsense when it comes to witch things. And the Doctor shows her gimmick to the, the woman in charge, and it says that she's the head witch finder. So that's how they kind of get on the inside to try to figure out what's going on. The woman that was killed, her daughter or granddaughter is related to this woman, and, you know, there's a mystery there. But then... What saves this episode, Todd, is when King James shows up. And I, as soon as I heard him start talking and acting, I'm like, I found Joe's new favorite Doctor Who character. Oh, Todd. Delightfully played by Alan Cummings. Nightcrawler. A master thespian and Nightcrawler, both one and of the same. A, A true joy, Todd. I hope this was a backdoor pilot for his ongoing show. There is rumors that he's going to make more appearances during her run. Oh, um, Todd. I, I, I'm not saying the next two episodes. I was going to say, there's only two episodes in a New Year's Eve, Eve special, Todd. But whenever they've had uh, royalty, like in the past, they've made multiple appearances. Like, they, they get to know that doctor a little bit. But I'm hoping, like, there's one scene where he comes running down the path yelling, um... I don't know if it was witchcraft, like witchcraft. And I'm like, Joe, like Joe is like, this is the greatest TV show ever. Oh, right? Now. That is the sort of acting that I savor, Todd. <laughs> don't even give me a knife and a fork. I'm scooping it up with my hands. Mm, how did you find the acting? I moved the potato and there the it was. But it's discovered <laughs> that it's not really witches, of course. Uh, it were a bunch of ancient aliens, not the ones from the History Channel, mm-hmm. that were sent here thousands or millions of years ago, were imprisoned in this tree on this hill, uh, and the woman, the lead uh, antagonist, went to go cut the tree down because it was ruining her view. That freed them, and they infected her with whatever the muck that they're made of, or whatever it is. So every time that these witches would appear, they would seemingly, to the townsfolk, be attacking this woman. But it's not that they were attacking this woman. She was their leader, and she was doing everything that she could do to try to fight off whatever this was, the evil. But then she decides to let the evil encompass her. And at the end of the day, they take bits and pieces of the tree that they were trapped in, and they're able to exile everyone. And uh, they explain to Alan Cummings, King James... Uh, that you saw a bunch of stuff here today that you're not going to believe, uh, but we saved you, so uh, keep your mouth shut, eh? Right, and he promises to do that. And I guess and that's I believe why we, him. 
Right. Well, it, we never heard we we've because they say it's not in the history book, so he he must have done what they said. Um, besides the Alan Cummings is the King James, which I even I was like, this is fantastic. <laughs> um, this is why I love Doctor Who. Uh, th- I have to admit, this is one of those good episodes where there's all these clues, and in the end, they all make sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. there's little little bits and pieces. She's like. Well, why did she have an axe? And it's like, oh, to defend herself. Plus, she cut the tree down. Why did th- why did this happen? And it's like, as you're watching the episode, you have no idea why. But in about ten minutes, it makes a little more sense. In another ten minutes, it makes more sense. And at the end, all those little things add up to make the story. You know, I, whether you like how much you like it or not, it's perfect being told. If you know what I mean. Like, there's no gaps or plot holes where it's like. Everything makes sense and it all comes together. And I'm like, that's when I love Doctor Who like a lot. And and to me, that was a good episode. Plus, you throw on top the acting and some other stuff. And it was just an all around great episode. I agree. Uh, good job, everyone. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, Doctor Who was good this week, eh? Yes, and it was a Mad Love T-shirt, by the way, Joe, that I was oh, wearing. There you go. The you Keith dug picture. it up. Yes. Uh, I know we've included that in show notes in the past, but I'm just too lazy to go find it. Right. And then accidentally finding my picture, I ended up deleting it. So, because I'm good with technology. Mm. But I have another copy somewhere. Hopefully you can retrieve that from the trash bin. Yes. Oh, there's a trash bin. Mm -hmm. No, I'm kidding. All right. So I think that covers everything. I agree. I know it was kind of a breezing through, but I don't want to get a uh, a dirty tweet in a little while. I've already had to deal with one person who doesn't know how to use Twitter today. Two, I won't sit still for. Uh, You think I'm going to send a tweet in a little bit? Well, I'll be ignoring it, so I won't see it until after everything's done. Okay. So So for episode uh, 426 of Longbox Heroes, for Todd, this is Joe. Saying thanks for listening, and we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! Football picks with Asa. Hi, Asa. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Let's do the football picks for week 13. We only got five right last week. So, here we go. Are you ready? This one. Cowboys. Giants. Uh... Cardinals, Colts, Texans, uh, Buccaneers, Bills, uh, Broncos, Ravens, Lions, Raiders, Texans, Titans. Titans.
Alright. Uh, Vikings, 49ers, Steelers, Eagles. Easy. And we're done. Alright. Hopefully we'll uh, do better this week than last week. Thanks, everyone.